What's up, bootstrappers? This is episode two of Bring Your Own Bootstraps. And uh, my name is Katie Selman Green. And I'm Nancy Polsen. And we are ready to go. Um, this is a this is kind of our first big informative episode. I'm really excited to kind of dive into that. Yeah, it's definitely going to be some note-taking if you guys want to get into it. If not, just kind of listen <laughs> in and let us know what you want to hear. Yeah, this is kind of like, I will say this is pretty much one of the most important topics that we'll be going over. All of them are important, but this is a foundational piece. Um, and that's starting your actual business and going legit. Um, that is, you know, deciding this thing that I have is a viable thing. It's maybe it's a side hustle that is starting to bring in a lot of money and now you're having tax implications from it. Or maybe you're, you know, you're ready to sell something and you need a sales tax certificate, whatever it is, this is the foundation starting your business. Yeah, it's a lot of situations that you're going to be facing and kind of knowing how to separate the business from you yourself um, and just kind of the process of getting there. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the most important thing that I think that you just kind of touch base on is separating yourself from the business. Um, because when you are a contractor or you're putting everything under your social security number, you know, you are the business, you are the business. If something goes wrong and now all of a sudden you're getting sued or you've got this big liability or whatnot, that is you, that is your debt. That is your responsibility. And that's everything that you own your Any home asset you have is going to be thrown into this yeah your home your car your dog maybe not your dog but <laughs> is your dog worth something I don't know <laughs> nobody wants my dogs <laughs> please take them just kidding no but um it, it's everything you own if you have a 401k if you've got any money in the bank any savings it's all up for grabs if something were to happen and that's anything you know and, and I don't I don't like the idea that you know you can be sued at any time but you can be anything can happen somebody can you could, you could be throwing an event or you could be, you know, selling something that made someone sick. If you're, if you're doing food items, um, if somebody gets sick, that opens you up to a liability. So that is when an LLC, a limited liability corporation comes into play. Especially, you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned a little bit of, of getting sued. Um, as we are kind of seeing, and I'm sure everybody's kind of, you know, seeing social media, the news, everything you can sue anyone. For anything anything and just being able to say that you have that protection that your business is a separate entity from who you are um, is huge it's a way to protect yourself and your family absolutely and that's why the name limited liability corporation comes into play because it's limited liability on the owner you are separating yourself now if you were to go out and get a loan sometimes you have to sign things like personal guarantees those are like financial debts that may have to come back on you. Maybe if you don't have enough business credit or maybe you have more, maybe the loan is more than you have in assets in the business, then yes, you're going to have to sign a personal guarantee. But again, that's only a financial thing on yourself. Whereas getting sued, they would be sell suing the business. And, you know, of course you don't want to get sued. And that's when insurance and stuff comes into play. And we will go into that in a completely different episode because there's way too much in this to go into that. <laughs> and of course, we've got you guys for a limited time. So we kind of want to get a couple um, key points out to you guys. 
Absolutely. So the first thing that I would say is defining what kind of business you want to start. Most small businesses are going to start off as an LLC. And that has a lot of, you know, positivity or positives to it that starting that LLC is. And it's and it's a, a much simpler process there. You don't have to have a board of directors. You don't have to have, you know, you're not taxed twice a year because when you have a, a C corp or an S corp, which we'll go into, there's a lot more at stake. Um, and there's a lot more that you'd want to go into. And they're all structured differently. And Completely so differently. Knowing what you want to get into and what you're willing to do for your business. Um, and just kind of seeing where you see yourself. Like, look at where your business is today and kind of what you see it going towards in five years. And you'll be able to decide where your business is going to go. But like as she mentioned, that LLC is probably going to be the most common one. It is the most common. I mean, most restaurants, you know, are LLC, unless they're looking at franchising and becoming the next Burger King, you're really going to be going for that LLC. And, um, but when you think of big companies, think about like Amazon or any tech company, you know, most of those are going to be C corps. Um, and they have board of directors, they have shares, they have common stock, uh, you know, preferred stock, founder stock, they have to answer to our board of directors, there's VCs, I mean, there's so much more. And so if you think you're going to start the next Amazon or <laughs> SpaceX or any of those other big corporations, please go seek a legal, a, a, you know, legal advice and get a CPA and all those kind of things, because there's a lot I mean, this would be a 10 hour podcast if we really wanted to dive into right. that. So There's so much more that goes if you're going to choose that route. Um, and the reason, as she mentioned, to, to get legal counsel and to also get a certified CPA to help you with that is because it does fall under a different tax bracket. You are going to have a little more complicated situation that you want to make sure that you get that um, help that's going to tell you how to do it in the process of it. Or you might just end up saying, hey, here's my stuff and your CPA takes care of it. Absolutely. And that's kind of when the benefit of time versus cost comes into play. You know, you know, when you're when you decide to file your LLC, there are hundreds of hundreds of companies out there that will file an LLC for you. You give them all the information. They do all the dirty work. Um, but if cost is a factor, you can do it yourself. I do all mine myself. Nancy does hers. We could file LLCs in our sleep. Honestly, yeah. and that I, is part of actually why we were talking about LLCs today. I was mentioning that earlier, you know, I was telling Brian, I was like, this is kind of an easy episode. Aside from the fact that, you know, we follow our LLCs on our own. Um, we've also provided that service to a lot of people that we know here in Waco. Um, you know, they call us and it is like you just mentioned the time versus the cost um, from do I want to go and sit down and learn how to do it? Am I pressing the right buttons? Am I submitting the right forms? Um, so we get a lot of the phone calls that say, hey, I want an LLC. So I ask you a number of questions. Um, and you know what? We have it in, usually I, I like to tell everybody, in two to three days, I'll have everything for you. Not because it takes that long, but I want to make sure um, I think we're going to touch base on this. When you decide I want to be, you know, McDonald's LLC, well, I have to go through a search system that's going to tell me if that's available, which it's not. And once we know that that name is not available, we've got to, you know, go back and, hey, this name isn't available. What other name would you like to do? I had that, I had that exact issue happen to me recently. I've done this only on the side for friends. I've done this in my work life as filing LLCs in different states and things like that, especially as they expand and hire in other states, which we'll go into a little bit later. But, um, you know, he had a very specific name in mind that he wanted. And unfortunately, it was an LLC in the state of Texas currently. So I was like, unfortunately, 
you're gonna have to change that name. It's uh, it's just not gonna work. And he was a little disappointed, but came up with a much better name. Um, so don't get discouraged if your name is taken. There are so many businesses out there that, you know, maybe they started a business and maybe it not, they don't haven't been doing anything with with it, but if it's active, you can't take it. It's kind of like a, getting a trademark, not really, but it's it's kind of like a Texas LLC trademark per se. If you start that business, as long as it's active and they filed that franchise tax and they filed their annual reports every year, you can't take it. Right. And so, yeah, it, it takes a little bit of time to go through that. Um, and as Katie mentioned, you are able to do this process on your own. But if you need help, um, there are um, people that provide that service. And, you know, it's one thing to say that we we actually love to do that. We love to be able to say, hey, we're going to go in and file this. Then after we file the LLC, if your name is available, I go in and get you your FEIN or your EIN, employee identification number. And once we go through that, you know, we print out all the documents, which you should get a letter from the Secretary of State. I think I was telling Katie last week, um, a friend of mine had called and said, hey, can you help a friend of mine? She has her LLC. And I'm like, oh, great. Well, what, what does she need help with? How can we, you know, be of service? And when I read and she reached out to me and I asked her, I was like, OK, so you have your LLC. And she mentioned to me, well, here's a couple questions I have. I was like, all right, shoot. And so she said, you did, uh, you know, Aaron's LLC. I was like, I sure did. And so she had seen a live where I was on there and she's like, you guys mentioned some documents. And she's like, can I show you what I have? I was like, of course. And she showed me. I was like, OK, where's your letter of secretary of state? Where's your EIN? She's like, well, I don't have any of that. But I paid nine hundred and ninety seven dollars to get that filed and done. And I'm like, I it doesn't feelings. cost that much. <laughs> it doesn't. It really doesn't. And I know it's easy to get on, you know, like TikTok or Google and search it and just say, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and file it and get it done. But make sure we're looking at a credible source that is going to help you get your LLC. Absolutely. And, you know, again, we'll have all of these resources that you can, um, you know, links and just kind of like step by step on how to file your LLC and what links to go to um, on our website, uh, BYU. BYOBootstraps.com. Katie's um, just used to owning the bar. And it's BYOB every now and then. No, it is never BYOB at the bar. No, it is BYOB at the staff meeting oh. at her house. Yes, at my house, not at my actual bar. Not at the bar. We'll go into licensing in a completely different episode. Um, but um, so, yes, absolutely. It's it. The biggest nuts is the concept of registered agent. So a lot of these companies will charge you hundreds of dollars a year. Um, some I've seen some up to $250 a year to be your registered agent. I know registered agent sounds like this big kind of scary thing. It sounds like it's got to be this legal, like what's my formality that it makes you sound like you have to have that. Absolutely. And you do have to have one. But I'm here to tell you, anyone with an address in the state that you are filing can be a registered agent. And all that registered agent is doing is accepting a copy of the mail that you are getting from the state on your behalf. So it's basically them sending it to you twice. So that you basically they're like, oh, we sent it to two different people. That is your responsibility. And there's a little bit more like intricacies into what a registered agent is. But anybody can be a registered agent. It has to be somebody that is not at your house or wherever the business is. So let's say that you're setting up an LLC and you're you've decided your headquarters is going to be your house, which is very common. Um, that means that your registered agent cannot be located at your house. It could be anyone else. I am the registered agent for at least 
six or seven different people. And I just get a copy of the reminder to file their franchise tax. It's not any kind of legal documents that would have personal identification information or anything like that. It's just copies of reminders and forms. And I still get a hard copy of the unemployment insurance um, filings that I have to send in every month, which I send digitally, but I still get a hard copy and I get a hard copy for anybody I'm a registered agent for. And exactly. And um, our office is a registered agent for multiple LLCs that we have already created for a lot of our insureds or just friends that are starting their businesses. Um, in order for them to be able to have that, it was just easier. We went ahead and processed all the paperwork. We filed it for them. Once we received it, we then sent it over to them. And it just becomes an easier way to be able to track that. And then as we receive certain um, reminders or notifications, then we let you know, whomever that LLC belongs to know, and then we proceed with whatever's needed. Right. And I will say, it's probably not a good idea to have just anybody be a registered agent. I, I wouldn't put like, you know, your best friend, Bob over here, who, you know, I just I maybe wouldn't do that. I would definitely pick somebody responsible or go to Parkway National with Na- with Nancy. They will do it for you. And again, it, it takes not a lot of time to do these LLCs. Um, it's a different cost in every single state. Um, I know a few of them. I know in the state of Texas, it's $308. It's $300 plus the $8 filing fee um, to re- to do that. There's a dollar every single time you do a search. You do a search for which that is LLC. so annoying. I hate, it's like. <laughs> I hate the fact that you have to pay for that each time. And, and I always let my insurance know, what is the name that you want? And when I know it's like a, a long name that's definitely like authentic to them, I'm like, okay, this is just going to be a $1 thing. But when I know it's a common last name and they want it you know to be something, smith llc, smith LLC. <laughs> i'm like oh lord there's gonna be multiple searches as we're going to try to and you know some of my especially for trucking because we do this non-stop almost every day <laughs> we are doing you know like carbohol trucking llc well i already know there's a carbohol trucking llc but i still want my maiden name in there so i'm like carbohol is and you know my husband's like can you just not name it that and so naming your llc one it's going to be huge on what your business name is going to be. So doing that search engine is going to be key. But just remember, as we're going, like she just mentioned, it's, you know, $308. And then if you have a name that you believe might be common, just tax, you know, add in a couple, maybe $5. So we can do like five different searches for you. Yeah, man. If, if anybody from the secretary of state's office is listening, can you please just let us put a credit card on file <laughs> inside of that portal? You have to put a credit card in every, every single, single time you log time. in yes. and just to get in. Like, even if I'm not doing a search, I still have to put in my credit card. So secretary of state's office, if you're listening, I kind of hope you're not, but if you are, <laughs> please put <laughs> where we can, the Texas Secretary of State, so let's be clear. Put where it where I, we can save that credit card each time we log in, where we just put, yes, you yes, save card on save file. Save card on file, <laughs> because no other state makes you do that. I have literally done business with, I would say, 40 states. You know, I've never done Alaska. I have done Hawaii. You know, it's, it, I've done business with most states and none of them. Make you put Make a credit card, but when you log in, um, there's sometimes I. It's a little baffling how we have to baffling. kind of function in Texas. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, <laughs> um, but so let's let's kind of rewind just a bit. 
So let's just say you're doing this on your own. The first thing you're going to want to do is you want to get that EIN. And Nancy touched base on this. That's your employer identification number. Even if you're not going to be an employer right now, you have to have an EIN. That is going to be through the IRS. And I know that sounds scary, um, but you're going to go to the IRS website and then you're going to kind of do the things. You need to know what are you going to be. Are you a um, the sole owner of this LLC? Are you an LLC partnership? Most likely you're not going to be an LLC partnership partnership. And I know it sounds like if there's two of you, you're going to want to be an LLC partnership. Don't do that. Um, because an LLC will allow you to have as many members as possible. And that member doesn't have to be a person. The member could be a business that makes things complicated. I, it, it complicates a lot of things when a business owns something like when you're applying for loans or you're even buying a company car or any of those things. When a business owns an LLC, it's a lot more difficult. So be wary if you ever do that. It's easier to do it with people. It's always easier to also try to keep each business as a separate entity. As separate as possible. Because you are able to have five, six, ten, you know, have as many LLCs as you want. But the moment you have that one holding company is different than having this LLC owns four other businesses. Um, definitely think about keeping those separate. Separate entities is always going to be easier. Absolutely. And and that's another thing, like just to kind of go backwards a little bit. One thing to note is you don't have to name your business, your LLC name. What is going to be the name on your business? You know what I mean? Like my bar, Stay Classy Waco, the LLC is not Stay Classy Waco LLC. It's Selman and Green Ventures LLC. And so that is like the whole, like that is kind of like the holding company is the main company. So all my licenses are under that. But then I filed a DBA, which costs like 25 bucks with the um, Secretary of State's office. And that DBA means that banks anybody will recognize me as Stay Classy Waco or as Selman and Green Ventures. So if somebody writes me a check for Stay Classy Waco, I can still take that to the bank and cash it, which is very important as well. So, um, and banking's a whole nother episode. <laughs> but this right here is very important as you're trying to, you know, you're starting your business, you're filing that LLC, you're going to get that EIN. And and one of the things that I did, I talk to a lot of my insurance whenever we, we go through and do this, they want to know what, what is the purpose of the EIN. And if you're sitting there doing the business under your personal name and you're putting your social security on there, this is kind of the same thing for me to say it. And it's the easiest way to explain it. Now you're the LLC. And now we need an EIN, which is the business own social security. Because every time when I mention employer identification, they ask that, but I'm not going to have any employees. That is a great like, way. It's the business's like, social it's security business's number. It's the business's own social security number because that is what you will use for your business as you're filing your taxes, as you're applying for a loan, as you're opening up an account for your business. And as she mentioned, we will go into banking in a whole different um, episode. But this is very important as we're starting this because you're going to want to keep that separate from who you are. So if you're currently running your business with your own personal checking account, once you go and have that LLC, you get that EIN, you are able to go to that bank and say, Hey, I need a business checking. Here's my LLC. Here's my EIN. You give them the, you know, your, um, secretary of state certificate or, you know, the printout and they're able to give you that you you have access to that business checking now. Yes, absolutely. And, and it, it yeah, it's the, it's the social security number and that is your ticket basically to everything else we're going to talk about because before you can file with the secretary of state's office, you have to have an EIN. Mm -hmm. 
And so you're going to go to the Secretary of State's office at this point and not go to it physically. They have a website. Thank God we're not in like 1950s. <laughs> um, so you're going to go to the Secretary of State's website and then you kind of follow the, the along the lines there. And again, we'll have more links in our bio. Um, I would say how you think about three days to kind of get your um, when you file it online. If you file it online, it's about three days. If you mail it in, it's about three weeks. Three weeks. Um, and every state's different. So Texas about, you know three days, you know, some states can take up to six weeks. I've seen Washington. I don't know what if they're faxing everything into each other, but basically Washington will take you about two months to get everything. Um, with There's so many states that right now, honestly, even pre COVID and pre, you know, all this situation with employment, but it was literally, we take three day turnaround and I think they were two, three weeks. What that has turned, as you just mentioned, maybe two months now, almost three months in the waiting period and trying to check in. And as we've done some of the process, you know, I'm always like, Hey Brian, have we called in? Where are they with it? And they are just that behind on it. They're just that behind. And it's every state is different in that sometimes a certain agency has to talk to another agency before that agency will then issue the number to this agency. It's, 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 like I said, Washington is a chain reaction. And if one thing goes wrong, literally puts a dent into everything. And I hate working in the state of Washington. I won't even go into Nebraska. Nebraska is probably the worst one. Oh, my gosh. And, and as you see the frustration with, with certain states, that, you know, <laughs> the experiences there, make sure, again, keep in mind, is the time worth the effort or am I better to pay somebody to do it? Because you are going to run into a couple things that you're going to have to try to figure out. But again, we're here to make this fun and exciting. And if you just know that this is what you want to do, we'll also provide links, as she mentioned, to places you can go that we can get this done for you. Yeah. Speaking of Parkway National, uh, <laughs> Nancy's own business. And then if you need a drink after because you're really, really tired, you can just come over to my bar. There you go. <laughs> we'll do like we a, pack a happy hour. Oh, yes. Like a happy hour, like a package deal. Like yes. <laughs> it comes with a drink. I don't know what the legality is of that, but maybe I'll buy you a drink. Um, but yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's that's kind of like the the forefront of. So now you have your Let's just say you've now got your secretary of state's letter. You've got your, um, your, your you're going to get another number because now you've got to have a Texas number. Uh, what is that? I've, honestly, I'm kind of blanking right now. That is called the, um, it's like, it's just like the, the Texas filing number, right? Yeah. Just so like we've a, got your LLC, we've got your EIN, um, depending on the business. And then you're going to have a number through the state of Texas. Then you're going to get a web file number. <laughs> And the web file number, it will be on that letter that you got. And so hold on to on that web file number. Each piece of paper that you will be receiving is very important. Digitalize it. Do not just hold on to a paper copy. I mean, in fact, you probably don't even need the paper copy, but save that digital copy in multiple places, on your computer, in your email, in a drive. In a secure place. Yes, please don't. Make sure when we're doing this and putting it <laughs> on your computer, um, and I say this because I have a 10-year-old, so... I have to make sure that I put it on a file and, and that I make sure that it's, if she was to touch my computer today and deletes this file, that it is, you know, saved on a hard drive. It's backed up because I have had it where I've had uh, a customer who lost all of their paperwork. And so then I had to make all the phone calls to get them again. We took three weeks between the time frame of, okay, what is your name? How do we identify you? Make sure that you do own this business. And once we receive that, they're like, okay, it's going to take about another week and a half to process. And then 
another week to mail out. And they will mail this to you. This the first one they will they will digitally, digitally deliver send it to you. Yes. Yeah. The the web file number they will not do that. They mm-hmm. physically mail it to the address on file to make sure that you are a legitimate person, yep. not just somebody calling in and saying all of this info. And so they will mail it to you. God knows how long it'll take, but once you get that web file number, please hold on to it because that is your key to being able to pay everything. That's literally the key to everything. And I know that's like four different numbers now you've got. It it gets complicated, but it's not. Just know not to lose that number. That is the main <laughs> thing I will tell you. When you lose that number, it is going to cause so many headaches and you're going to pick up a drinking problem because you're going to be so frustrated because getting that number is almost impossible if you lose that number to get it within a, the right time. It never fails. Somebody needs that number right before the tax due date to file their franchise taxes. Yep. And um, we'll go into that in just a second, but it's Always when it's come down to a deadline, nobody ever needs their web file number at an in like a, a convenient time where it's like, oh, I lost it. I have to pay my taxes in four months. It's always like they're due in three days and you're like, I and forgot I lost it. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't even file an extension request without that number. So, yeah, then then you're going to have your little uh, handy dandy $50 fine, that late fine. I've, I've paid that before. Um, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so the one thing that you have to keep in mind though, with filing with the, with the secretary of States is once a year, you will have to file what is called a franchise tax report. And that sounds really scary. And that sounds like it's very expensive and you're like, but I'm only making a hundred dollars a month or, you know, I'm only, or whatever it is, even if a thousand or 10,000, it doesn't matter if it's a $500,000 that you've made that year. There is a threshold of I believe two million dollars is it two it's it's somewhere really high up there so if you're under that million dollar threshold it's a zero dollar tax filing it's very easy it takes a few minutes to do um, but it still has to be but it has to be done they will if you don't do it if you don't file that zero saying I don't owe you taxes they will fine you and then not only will they fine you but then they're going to um you you lose you risk losing your LLC basically. Um, and then it becomes inactive. And then they do it when you send somebody your W9 or whatnot, or W4 or 1099 with your number on it, they're going to come back and be like, Oh, this, this bounce back. And now you've got a problem and now you got to do it all over again. <laughs> so double the work. Yes. Double the work and keep up with those d- due dates. Um, normally it was around May, but after COVID they've moved it around a they've bit. They've been moving things around. Yeah. Kind of giving you some extension grace period. Oh, yeah. And again, you know, I've never had to actually, you know, I've not been blessed enough to have a multi-million dollar a year company yet. Um, So I've never actually had to pay franchise tax. But when you are making millions of dollars a year, the least of your problems, probably (laughs) the least of your problems. It'll be pennies to the dollars you're making. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just that extra money they want. Um, But yeah, so, you know, that's that's kind of the the rundown um, of how to start that. Um, And then, you know, I kind of want to touch base on depending on the type of business you have, there are other licenses that you'll need. And, you know, again, in later episodes, we're going to do deep dives on employees and hiring and 1099 contractors and stuff. But a lot of people who are starting businesses will have to collect and pay uh, sales tax um, unless you are only a service based business. And that means and services, honestly, it's a very broad term that can sometimes still have to have sales tax. So you really want to deep dive and make sure that the product you're selling, you don't have to collect sales tax. But if you are selling anything, a physical thing, 
you have to collect sales tax. Um, and depending on your city, it's different things. It's actually really easy when you go into the sales tax um, portal, when you apply, they will tell you the exact amount that you need to be collecting. The good news is, is that you are just a pass-through. It is, is not a special tax that you are having to pay. You legally can collect and pay it. So you are, again, a pass-through entity. Pass-through entity, yes. So taking the funds and then you're going to reallocate them where they need to go. Absolutely. And depending on how much you sell depends on how often you'll have to do that. If you were selling like me as a bar and as a restaurant, I have to pay those once a month, every month on the 20th, unless that's a weekend, then it's the 21st or whenever the next day is. Um, after that, it's, you know, it, it, sometimes lower amounts it's a quarterly thing i've seen every once in a while it's annually but i've never really seen that, that I mean, that's not really it's a not. thing that you see common uh, quarterly is is a huge one because you know there's a couple things that we do that we have to pay quarterly taxes on um but for like you mentioned the bar and everything that we do that is on a monthly basis that has to be paid which thank god i'd if it were quarterly i'd probably oh god <laughs> I, I don't think i can handle that <laughs> Um, so real quick, we're going to take a really quick, um, short break and talk about, um, you know, uh, our sponsor and then, uh, we'll get back and I think we'll do a little bit more of a deep dive into payroll taxes. Sounds good. So, you know, one of the main things about starting your own business is that you feel like you're, you're want to focus all of your energy on like the product and selling it. And, and you have all this time and all this kind of stuff, but you don't really know how to build your online presence. And luckily we have partnered with, we grow the co, um, a social media and marketing company that will help you get that website up and going. They will get you onto social media. And honestly, they, they will take that all off your plate and their prices are phenomenal especially for the amount of work that they're going to do. And not only that, it gets that load off your back that you're like, I haven't had the time to do my marketing or to do my content or to even get my website up. Jillian is an amazing female entrepreneur and she can make it happen for you with We Grow The Co. Yeah, and I mean, and even if you are social media savvy, when it comes to marketing your business, there's so much more. You've got to be doing it often at the right time, using the right keywords, using the right hashtags. And after a while, at first you start doing it, and then next thing you know, you're like you're forgetting and you haven't posted in a week, and you're like I don't, I don't have the time to do this, and it becomes so stressful. And that's when places like We Grow the Co step in and they really take that off of your back and can do it professionally in a right way. And you get the cross promotion with all of their clients. It's, it, they do, I mean, they have clients like VTEX Barbecue, the Deep in the Heart Film Festival. They have some pretty big uh, clients that they work with and they do a really good job. And to be able to be consistent, to be able to post at the right times so whenever you're going to be able to have the captive audience. I mean, there's. I think we were talking about this not long ago about doing a reel or releasing something because at 11 a.m. it's the best time to do it's it. It's the best time. I mean, you've got to do your research. And, you know, We Grow the Coat has that for you. 
they are going to make sure that they have it out there for you. It's, you know, they're scheduled it, they've got it, and they're providing that content. And, you know, it's one thing, it helps you focus more on the business while she does that aspect for it. Absolutely. And not only that, but they also do things like coordinating photo shoots, getting that content, um, and, and making sure that you're working with good photographers and you're no longer in your space trying to take pictures with your iPhone or, God forbid, your Android. <laughs> just kidding, Android, sponsor me. Um <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you're just trying to take these photos and and then create the content, then create the the blog posts or whatever it is or or, you know, making those cool graphics that, you know, have all of the information on it because people don't read captions. That is that is kind of a rule of thumb is for the most part, people don't read captions. So getting all that information in a beautiful, digestible way. Contact We Grow the Co. They're really great. We're so happy to, to partner with them. I've personally worked with them a lot um, over the past couple of years, and they just, they're, they're phenomenal. They really are, and I enjoy seeing the content that they've been putting out, and to see them very much active. Um, I believe they've got the Deep in the Heart Film Festival right now that they are working with, and I see that the content that she's providing for them, and I'm like, this is amazing, the pictures, the product, and just at the right time when that post goes out. It's yeah, amazing what she does for sure. And we actually, my bar partnered with the Deep in the Heart Film yes. Festival through We Grow the Co. So it was like this like networking thing where we have a drink that is on our menu right now that comes with a ticket to the Deep in the Heart Film Festival. So um, it's it's things like that that they help you network and build those relationships. And now because of that, I have a full ticket to the entire festival, um, you know, and, and a sponsorship through them. And, and it's, it's been a really great relationship and I cannot, um, endorse them enough. No, I hear you. And if you guys have not gone out to stay classy to try the new drink that we have for them, it is delicious. The drink is called Summer Indie Movie, which I just, I I named it. I love that concept of a summer indie movie. It makes me think of that movie 30 Days of Summer with like Zoe Deschanel and, and it's just that love story and it just makes you feel good. Well, this drink feels and tastes good. And it comes, and it comes with a ticket. <laughs> exactly. It's a win, win, win win-win times 20 um so yeah we grow the co love them um and the deep in the heart film festival it starts the 21st of july so uh if you're in waco come out we hope to see you all there yeah All right, bootstrappers, we're back and uh, we're going to do a really quick deep dive into if you're starting a business and you are selling a product that is applicable or I guess uh, where you need to have sales tax. Um, and this is going to there's a whole list of um, things which we'll include in that blog um, of what types of things are are subject. That's the word subject to sales tax. Um because the, really the only time you're not is if it's a service that is not tangible. Um, so if you're selling a website, if you're selling um, a thing that something is tangible, even, even in the digital world, that is subject to sales tax. Now, if you're selling in the state of Texas to only people in the state of Texas, you have to register through the comptroller's office, um, which is the Texas comptroller's office, which will also dive into with employees because it's also through the comptroller's office um, for a sales tax certificate. Um, and, you know, it, it it sounds scary. It's pretty immediate. You have, you know, they'll tell you exactly when to file. If you sell nothing, you file nothing. You just have to file, have to file zero. Mm -hmm. And, or you get that $50 fee, <laughs> which is so annoying. Which then you're paying for just a simple 
fact that you need to go log in if you knew that you had zero sales because you know maybe this is at the time you're starting that that side hustle you've already llc'd it but you still have that full-time gig and you have no sales for that month you still need to log in put in the month that we're doing the, the sales tax for which it'll ask you on there click that type zero submit it that's Absolutely. all it takes. It's all it takes. Five minutes max. And half of that is probably remembering your login info. Exactly. So <laughs> get a last pass. Sponsor me last pass. But yeah, get a last pass and then save it in there. But um, and make sure you have that web file number because otherwise you can't get in. Then you're gonna have that $50 fine. But yeah, so make sure you do that. Now, the one thing I want to dive into is if you are selling to people outside of the state of Texas, if you have an online business, maybe you're selling shirts, maybe you're selling, you know, anything, it could be resin art, it could be art, it could be um, whatever it is that you are selling and you're selling to somebody outside of the state of Texas, you need to be aware of what the sales tax thresholds are in that state. A common misconception, which is a very recent change, is that if you sell to somebody outside of the state that you are located in, there is no sales tax, and that is not correct. Exactly. Um, it is not correct anymore. It was for a long time, but, but what happened was that was before the internet. That was before Amazon, before eBay, um, and that was when, you know, to go and buy something in another state, state it had to be or for it to not have sales tax they had to mail it to you and then it wasn't applicable because you didn't live in that state and that product wasn't staying in that state but because of amazon because of ebay um, all these states were realizing that they were losing out on a lot of revenue because a lot of the products that were being built in their states and they're getting these tax exemptions and all this kind of stuff were not getting taxed so they passed laws that had certain thresholds that if you sell enough in that state you have to register to do business in that state and it would be just as if you lived in that state so you're gonna have to go through the secretary of state's office you're gonna have to uh, go through whatever their department of revenue is through texas it's the comptrollers but for washington it's the washington department of revenue and you have to get a sales tax certificate and it's and i I want to say this because I think we see this a lot more today. Um, when we decide, let's start a business. It doesn't always have to be a brick and mortar business. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are doing, um, you know, we have a lot of boutiques. You know, we, obviously, we're located in Waco. We have a lot of boutiques here. They're brick and mortar boutiques. But there's a lot of people that want to do a boutique. So they choose the online boutique route. But they are still doing the same things. They're going to market. They're buying their product. They're putting that product online and they're shipping those products. So this is when this is very important as you're going to see, you're going to track your sales. How many times am I sending to California? How many times am I selling in New York? You know, am I sending uh, products to Nashville? Wherever you have the most orders in, you want to make sure what am I going to have to owe to that state? What um, is our sales tax for them? So this is definitely the, the time to, to look at, even though you're an online business, you're still liable to have that. Yes. And every state, again, is different. You know, uh, an example, Texas and New York have the highest thresholds. So that means you do not have to file for a sales tax certificate in the state of New York unless you hit 500,000 or 100 transactions, either one, whichever one comes whichever, first. Yeah, I was going to say whichever one comes first. <laughs> Most likely it's going to be, unless you're selling cars or something, which right. that's a whole different It's going to be the game. transactions that you'll hit first. Exactly. So 100 transactions or 500,000. Now that changes constantly. So don't take this podcast for what I'm saying. Always double check states that don't have any threshold. Oregon. So if you're sending something to Portland or any of those places there, it doesn't matter if you sell one 
or, or, or 10 or $1 of something, you have to set up for a sales tax certificate. And um, same thing with Montana. There's a couple that have low ones like 10,500. You know, you just want to do the research. Um, and I'm not trying to discourage anybody from starting those businesses because, again, you are then a pass-through entity. And all of these retailers that you're selling through have different ways of you to do the different tax thresholds. The states will tell you the exact amount that you owe them. You don't have to do the local uh, municipality. You, the local municipality. <laughs> you know, you're not going to have to pay to... Uh, you know, I don't know, some small town's tax rate, but the state will tell you exactly how much to collect. Um, and sales tax certificates are pretty easy to get in any state um, for it's, the most part. And still going through the process, it's so worth it and rewarding as you're doing your business. Um, for those of you that are looking to do this full time and this is your, you know, your full gig, it is going to be worth it. You know, take the process to, to get these um, sales certificates. Make sure you know where you're going to be selling. And this is something that you'll learn as you're starting the business. You know, you won't know today if you're going to be selling in Portland or if you're going to be doing the sales in New York. But as you're going through it, make sure you check off that task to make sure that as you're um, sending out those pack packages and you're keeping track of those sales, you now know where you're going to need to um, pay sales tax to. Absolutely. And there are ways around it. And the ways around it are going to be going through a kind of, and, and the I, I don't know the best way to describe it, but the, uh, the best example would be somebody like Etsy. Etsy is a company that they are going to handle all of the sales tax. You are going to get a percentage of the sales, but that's kind of a problem. So it's, it's a benefit and a loss in that you are going to lose some of the sales. There are transaction fees. I know recently a bunch of Etsy um, resellers or Etsy sellers went on strike because the fees went up the fees are are honestly significantly high and yeah. i say this as shopify is the same thing i mean you just have to look at what's going to be better suited for you and some people feel like it's their um, best thing to do is to make their own website um and to be able to function how they're going to do it as there's no fees once you make your site you know you own the site you put the work into it but whenever you're looking to i just want to grab the product take a picture and sell it then you're going to be looking at something like etsy or shopify but you have to look at their i guess i mean can i even say contract on that yeah you want to um, see their contract you want to see what that is what you're going to be paying whether it's a monthly basis per transactions and like she mentioned you won't be getting the full amount from that sale they are going to keep a certain percentage yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, and there are benefits of being on Etsy. You can, you have a better chance of becoming a featured seller and you you get to use their user base. I mean, I buy off, off Etsy all the time. And I do too. I, I love a lot of the people that do their products. I've known people even locally here that use Etsy because it gets them kind of a broader audience. Mm -hmm. And, but also this, their service is there for a reason. They're charging those fees because you won't have to worry about getting all these things. They're going to handle that for you. Right. They are technically the ones selling in those states they are buying a product from you and then you are and you're doing all the work you're mailing it and all this kind of stuff and 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 and, and that's, the, that's the kind of the way in the thing I've seen people do both they have an Etsy store they also go to markets they also have their own website they sell off Instagram lives or whatever it is you know that's when you really want to um you know maybe you do both there especially as you're growing and then maybe one day you get so big that Etsy can't handle your you know how much you're selling and that's when you kind of can take it to the next level and really really 
broaden where you're going. Now, the good news is, is that if you sell to somebody in Washington and you're like, oh my God, I just sold this thing to somebody in Washington. I don't have a sales trip. It's not like they're going to penalize penalize (laughs) you for that immediately. Like, oh God, you couldn't, you know, it's fine. You can go and get it and then, you know, then turn in the sales tax. Um, but at the end of the day, stay legit. And then that it's the it's the easiest, cleanest way, you know, especially if you start selling a lot, get a CPA. They'll give you the best advice you can, you know, invaluable advice, advice that me and you couldn't even give right. because I'm not a CPA. I didn't go to school for five years for this, you know. Yeah, and obviously, I'm not <laughs> a CPA. Um, you know, I love the aspect of the mathematics. You know, my, my mom uh, is an accountant. I went and got my... Um, a degree in accounting, but I am not a CPA. I adore our CPA <laughs> because they keep all of our business um, logistics, everything in order. So definitely find the value in, in who you want and who you want to work with and, and what they can bring to the table um, because it's definitely a headache that you don't want to go through. I've, I've talked to somebody recently um, as they're moving an LLC to be a shared LLC and what that's going to entail. And I'm like, definitely make sure your CPA is the person that you're talking to based on how this is going to work. Um, because it's a partnership LLC, not a sole proprietorship LLC. <laughs> so th- there's just so many things that are going to go through this. But as we go through it and as we've seen it and, and as we are a part of it as well, we want to make sure you guys know like what our journeys have been and, and the best way to, to take the right um, um, road for, for your business. Yeah, for sure. I mean, here's a mistake that I made uh, with the bar and I will tell you all. So I have worked with accountants for the better part of my professional life. You know, in my job, I'm a professional HR. We work hand in hand with the finance team constantly. And I know how to do QuickBooks. I know how to keep books up. I can do all of those things. And I didn't really realize how many transactions, purchases, sales, all of that stuff, all the different categories that went into going to the bar. And so, you know, I knew I wanted to have a CPA file my taxes and stuff, but I was like, I can handle my books. I can do that. I know how to do that. Um, have you ever gone through and done your transactions for six whole months to go and turn that into your CPA? Um, yeah, I have. And, uh, it was, I I can't even explain to you how angry I was at myself as I'm sitting there coding 1700 transactions. Um, you know, and there's some benefits to doing your own books. You know, if you know how to do it, if you don't know how to do it, this is not the time to learn. Um, the smaller you are, the cheaper it's going to be. I promise you. But also again, I mentioned this, and I'm going to mention this probably throughout the entire season. (laughs) Consistency, staying organized. Because if you do choose to do it on your own, that's going to be the best way to always remind yourself. Staying consistent, making sure that you are putting in those um, journal entries. And again, this is a QuickBooks thing. I love QuickBooks. (laughs) I do too. um, (laughs) Sponsor us. (laughs) Staying consistent, making sure that you are organized and that you keep everything where it needs to be. It is doable. Yeah, hundred percent. Because if, if you know we go through and do it, hand it over to the CPA. They decide how I'm going to file, what I'm going to do. I just have to, you know, make sure one because I like to see the numbers. I like to see where I am. Same. You know, I like to run that P and L report. I want to know, you know, what our profit and loss margin is, where we need to change, what we need to do. Um, where are those and- costs coming in? Like that was eye opening. I actually found some stuff that I I one time was like, wait, we're paying what for what? You know, it, it's a way of keeping your eye on the business. Um, and the best thing I learned recently is do it daily. 
Just go, if you do it daily, it will take you two minutes and you know exactly what those things were. You're not looking through your Amazon, making sure that these things was, was this for a cost of goods? Was this a um, thing that I was selling? You know, there's all kinds of different, you know, layers to that. And, and yeah, I mean, this could be a whole episode in and of itself. It really itself. is. I was about to, I was about to <laughs> we probably will deviate over to and keeping those, um, I, I'm huge on this. And again, everybody's going to be very different not to co-mingle. So I will not use my business debit card or credit card for a personal expense. Absolutely not. Um, Never do that. And vice versa. I will not pull out, a, you know, my personal debit card for a business expense. Um, it's just all of a sudden you're going to unravel very different um, purchases. And then I've done this. I think I did it twice. And that is, again, my husband's fault, not mine. And I ended up telling him, here's the invoice I paid. Here's this that needs to be reimbursed. I was like, because I want to make sure we keep track of it the day it happened. Yes. Um, and so that day that it happened, he's like, okay, what was this for? And I think, um, I think I did a purchase over at the chamber and then there was something else that we were doing for marketing, but I did not have, um, and this part was my fault. I did not have my wallet that contained my business cards in. And so I ended up having to process it through my personal account even that small transaction, having to print out that statement that showed that, you know, Nancy Pulsing made the purchase and I need to hand that over to um, Parkway National. Or I've done this even with Nancy's Cocina. And I'm like, I cannot do that. I cannot commingle because then it's kind of unraveling a whole mess. So staying consistent and making sure you do not commingle yourself with your business. Yes. And, and I think that's the big thing is again, reimburse yourself if you didn't and keep it clean, document it. There are really great um, tools out there. One of them is Expensify. I really like Expensify, especially if you ever have employees or there's multiple of y'all, because what you can do is there's an app. It's free for anybody who has under 20 employees. So for most of us, it's going to be free and it, it syncs with your QuickBooks and it basically like you would just snap a picture of that receipt and then you can reimburse yourself and it cleans it up and makes that book for you or that journal entry journal for you in, uh, in QuickBooks. So if you do it, get some, a tool like that. It'll keep it cleaner for and sure. And then definitely do that journal entry the day of. That way you're not going back, oh crap, last month I used my own card and I have to find the receipt. So just like you said, spend two minutes a day. Two minutes a day. And again, if you don't know what a journal entry is, you need a CPA. So <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, we didn't even talk about what a journal entry is. And honestly, I don't know. We I, have the experience. We have the experience. So That's why. <laughs> if you don't know what a journal entry is, again, we will go, we will have so many resources for you online. We're probably going to have a whole episode on this eventually because we have so much to talk about. Um, and speaking of, I think it's about time for us to kind of start uh, signing off. I think we kind of gave... We gave a lot of info. Um, so give it a re-listen <laughs> if you want to, or go over to our website. We will have a blog up for you to kind of take a look. And um, yeah, we can kind of start this journey together. For sure. But you guys, don't forget to subscribe. Um, send us a message. Let us know, kind of like review what this episode was about, how it helped you or what it's lacking. If you guys said, hey, I feel like you didn't touch base on this. I'm really interested in this subject. Send us that message and we will definitely be... Um, you know, corresponding to you guys, replying and letting you know what the answers to that is. Yeah, slide into those DMs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, make sure you follow us on all social media platforms. Uh, BYO Bootstraps. That is BYOB Bootstraps. <laughs> 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 on all social media platforms. Um, thank you so much for listening. 
Nancy, thanks for being here. Thanks, thanks for being an Katie. amazing partner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, subscribe, and uh, shout out to Rogue Media Network for giving us a home. Um, and I'm really excited to be in the new studio. I think, I don't know if it's going to be the next podcast or the next, but uh, the new podcast studio is looking real nice. <laughs> I'm hoping. Let's fingers crossed for, for next week, and we'll, we'll see we'll see what you guys are going to look at. All right. See y'all later. Bye. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.